0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Let's go there with
2: Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, have you had issues with friends or maybe if you want to date someone or family who's unvaccinated? And what do you do about it?
3: Oh, pick me. Pick me. OK. Pick me. All
2: right. Ryan Mitchell here in oh my the, God. Uh, in front of me. It, uh, behind the plexiglass. definitely not
3: Jen Psaki. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no,
3: seriously, this just happened to me. Everyone, listen up because okay. I am dating. We all know this. Duh, of course, Ryan's dating. You're getting around. Well, no, I'm not a, you know, yes, actually, maybe. It's no shame. Um, But I just literally, last night, It's I was talking to a guy on an app, mm-hmm. and I think we were planning on trying to get together. You know go on a date and we ended up talking about okay well you know we have to be vaccinated obviously or like you have to wear your mask what's and, your status yeah it's like I can't even really remember how we got into the uh-huh. vaccination conversation but he revealed to me that he is planning on not getting the vaccine okay which for me I didn't even say bye at that point I just blocked him <laughs> Because I'm not I'm not going to do this with anyone. I'm not gonna have a back and forth. If we are not aligned on that That's simple true. thing, yep. then that means we were never meant to be. I mean it does not align. And so I just feel like it's really sad um, that, you know, I at first I was like, oh, was that too harsh? Like should I give him <laughs> like an explanation? But then it would just have been stupid. He would have said they were tracking us or something.
2: Yeah, it's like, do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? No. Unless maybe you block be them. tortured.
3: That's what that button is there for. Block them is all I'm saying. I mean, get
2: I th- them out of here. I think this is something that everyone is going through. But I'm sorry, whoever that was. No,
3: don't be. Don't apologize to him. He needs I'm to get sorry vaccinated. for you. He's for- killing
2: people. <laughs> that <I> mean, <laughs> it could be happening. It could be. See, yeah, uh, let go of the D. You could have had the Ryan. You could have had it.
3: What? 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 Is this the sound of a joke
2: falling flat? No. I'm just saying, like whoever whoever that was, they could have had a beautiful life. Yeah. White picket fence. They yeah. ruined it all. Okay. Well, we've got a lot coming up on the show. Uh, we actually have the volleyball coach who was forced to quit his high school because he is gay joining us at 3:35 30, p.m. Pacific, 6:35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, what Kanye West is changing his name to. Ugh. All right. That's in the T report in a moment. First, let's get into so much trending this hour. Big news, OnlyFans announced that it is suspending its plan to ban sexually explicit content on the platform. This decision comes after the company received backlash following the news of the ban on August 19th. The founder, Tim Stokely, initially said the change was in response to obstacles from banks. However, OnlyFans now says it has secured assurances necessary to support its creator community. So it's not happening. Pretty impressed how quickly that changed because other platforms have not been that quick and frankly haven't cared. Now, Secretary Antony Blinken says there is no deadline on evacuating Americans and Afghan allies from Kabul airport. Here's what he had to share.
0: Let me be crystal clear about this there is no deadline on our work to help any remaining American citizens who decide they want to leave to do so, along with the many Afghans who have stood by us over these many years. And want to leave and have been unable to do so that effort will continue every day past august 31st Uh,
2: this goes against the deadline initially negotiated and the taliban has said that the united states would be crossing a red line if the biden administration keeps troops on the ground And more on that with Politico in uh, the next 15 minutes. So stick around for that. Let's get into some what's trending this. uh, No, that was what's trending this hour. Let's get into the tea. (laughs) I am, you know.
3: It is time for the tea report. A lot going on. Yes, it is. Um, Okay, so Kanye West has just legally filed to change his name. Oh. Uh, It's time for the tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, he has filed paperwork to shorten his legal name to his longtime Nick Name,
2: yay. He is like, share. Okay, that's it. It's just yay. Yay. It's
3: not like you were saying yay. Kind of like a, um, what's those things called when it's like it's spelled differently, but it sounds like another word? Is that an automatopoeia? Well, what? Uh, it's something I, like I, that's I a grammatical know. thing. Yeah, all, yeah. all my grammar nerds slide into our DM and let me know because it's kind of like yay, but it's yay.
2: It's Y E. Well, if it had an accent aigu, like a French thing, that little line, then it would, yeah, you would it hear would that. Be but, yay. Yeah, but it's not. It's kind of. It's its own version of it. It's, it's a short. His
3: nickname is now turned into his legal name. It's yay. He filed the docs in LA. Um, they noted that, quote, in California, unless there's evidence a name change is designated to commit fraud or other shenanigans, the judge will approve it. He, however, said that his name um, change is for personal reasons. It's really an interesting move from him mm-hmm. given that one of his least liked albums um, that was released in 2018 of June um, after. His whole slavery was a choice comment interview moment was titled simply Yay as well. It's also interesting that he is making his move to divorce like you know himself from his surname during the run up to his forthcoming album Donda, which is of course titled after his mother, whom he's really close to. I don't know, maybe this is a different Kanye, this is new Kanye or you know, Yay, I don't know, but like yeah.
2: Do we care? Not really. I feel like every artist has announced this at a certain point in their career, and then like two years later, they change it back.
3: Yeah, true. (laughs) That's your T-Report. Coming up next hour, though, find out how you can win your way into Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency. Honey, I got all the details coming up next hour.
2: Okay, so what will happen if the U.S. doesn't leave Afghanistan by the deadline? We get into that next with the senior editor at Politico. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As more and more Americans and Afghans are evacuated from Afghanistan, it doesn't seem like we are going to hit the deadline of August 31st to get everyone out in time. So supposedly there's around 1,500 American citizens that are remaining, which it is August 25th. We are very close. You would think uh, with the other day, I think there was 20,000 people that were taken out of Afghanistan um, through these flights, and it's hard to know who's taking them out. There's these private services, there's other countries coming in, there's obviously the work that the U.S. is doing, but it seems like we're close enough that not everyone's going to be taken out.
3: Well, yeah, it's not just American citizen that we're talking about here because there's uh, American allies, there's interpreters. Um, I was listening to a New York Times podcast called The Daily where they actually did a really amazing story where they were talking to some interpreters actually there who are fearful right now for their lives in the sense of they are been told and they've been promised that they are going to be able to get out of Afghanistan immediately. Mm -hmm. And right now what we're seeing is that that's not happening. And a lot of people have been actually speaking out. It's been reported, CNN just reported about it at Washington Post. The Wall Street Journal just did a really good article about it, where um, people are saying that the Taliban is actually, um, it, either it's rogue uh, people from the Taliban, but they are um, actually you know putting hits out on people who are trying to escape and trying to go. And I think at this point, we, we know that the Taliban has said that they won't allow any more Afghans to leave the country which is now backwards from what is Joe B- President Biden going to do at this point? Because does he keep his promise where he said, we're going to evacuate as many people as possible? But then that goes against what the Taliban is saying. And I think there's a major issue there, right? And so I, I'm really worried about where we're at at this moment.
2: Oh, yeah. When, when they say, well, they'll be crossing the red line. What does that mean exactly? That does not seem good for anyone involved. Well, joining us yeah, right now is Senior Editor at Politico, who has all the answers and has been covering the story. Ryan Heath, thanks for being here.
4: It's a pleasure, as always.
2: So what happens now if they move past this August 31st deadline, as it seems the Taliban says there's no room for negotiation?
4: Uh, Well, I think actually we have a problem before August 31st, Mm -hmm. because... If we are to have all American troops or if other governments to get their troops out by that deadline, it means they need to stop evacuating sometime over the course of Friday and the weekend. So we're really looking now at the last 48 hours for getting people safely out through the airport. And the alternative uh, after that is for people to try and bribe their way out through land borders. And obviously, that is not a very enticing prospect uh, if you are a person with not a lot of money and connections, or in particular, if you are a woman.
3: Well, you know, President Biden, it seems like he's really in a sticky situation because, um, as I mentioned before, you came on, he has promised, you know, Afghans that as many people, they can evacuate as possible. But if the Taliban is saying that they're not allowing any Mm. more evacuations of Afghans, what happens here? Does this kind of turn into a very uh, dangerous situation at this point?
4: Yes. So we have seen some attempts by uh, U.S. forces to go out of the airport in order to extract Americans and and get them into a place where they can enter onto planes. Uh, But that is not the position that a lot of other governments are in at the moment. Uh, And of course, that comes at great risk to American troops. And we heard uh, the president say yesterday uh, that every day there is a higher chance of this situation devolving and getting out of control. And we have certainly seen people from other countries being turned away at the airport gates. And now Britain is advising Britons who are still in Afghanistan not to go anywhere near the airport. They're saying it's too dangerous um, and, and, and that the best thing to do essentially is to shelter in place. So that's not to say that will become the advice to Americans, uh, that remaining couple. But it's a risk that that can happen to anyone there at the moment.
2: Yeah, because at what point does this, weather b- before the date or after the date, become just a humanitarian crisis? And how are we all just going to sit back and witness this go down? It's already chaotic. I can't imagine what it's going to be like after this.
4: Uh, yeah, so some other reporting that I want to make sure your listeners know about, and it relates to the people who work for the United Nations, and uh, the overwhelming majority of them are Afghan nationals um, that are remaining in the country. The foreigners who work for the UN, they're mostly airlifted out at this point. And the UN has said it won't try to evacuate them. And it's, and it's literally suggesting to them that they need to just stay calm and positive when the Taliban armed militants come to their houses. And we already know uh, that some of these uh, local employees of the UN have had their cars bombed, they've been interrogated, they've been subject to these house-to-house searches. And then obviously, you're in an even tougher position if you're a woman. And the UN is saying, like, literally, don't even answer your door um, if you are a woman who works for the UN and the Taliban comes knocking. But that's not very useful advice when you've got a bunch of guys with guns um, bashing down your front door. So the point here is that the Taliban has presented some moderate elements to Western media um, to the extent that they have spoken uh, to Western journalists. But given their two decades or more of, of very serious, negative, harsh track records, um, we really should not be taking them at face value at this point, based on what I hear UN employees are already experiencing. And that's before the evacuation deadline. It is likely to be worse after August 31st. Oh,
2: wow. So uh, are we going to go back to war? Is there anyone that's going to go back in to try to defuse this situation?
4: Uh, Yeah, this is extremely tricky. Uh, Biden has been very clear that this was always going to be messy. So I don't see a scenario where he is going to send more troops in. It is possible that there are individual operations, for example, to try and get people out of the United Nations compound uh, further into the center of Kabul. I, I wouldn't rule that out. But Biden has always been clear that there are going to be casualties and that this is the reason why we shouldn't have been here this long in the first place. So I I think he is prepared to take a very tough, pragmatic line and reading between the lines when people say and think things like that, that means they're prepared to accept that that there are going to be casualties. And in some respects, it's been a miracle that we haven't seen more of them so far. You know, we have counted, you know, on sort of a couple of dozen people who've died in the process of getting these more than 100,000 Americans and people from other countries out of Kabul uh, so that is a very low casualty rate, but we, we can expect it to increase. That, that is the a, a sad, tough reality.
2: OK, well, uh, that was Ryan Heath, senior editor at Politico. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next up, why Tesla is being investigated and what that means for the future of self-driving cars. That is next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Tesla's autopilot is being investigated by the FDA, bringing up many questions around the future of self-driving cars. Aaron Gregg is with us right now, a defense industry reporter at Washington Post. Thanks for joining
6: us. Thanks for having me on.
2: Okay, so why is Tesla being investigated for this? Could there actually be issues with a self-driving car? I mean, I couldn't see that
6: at all. So what the DOT is looking into is actually Yay. the autopilot feature that you have on a lot of Teslas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing about this is it's actually not a full self-driving, and, and that's really the problem is that it's really only meant as like a driver assist and uh, people are kind of assuming that it, it, it means self-driving. Like if you sit on the highway with this thing on and, and you're not paying attention, you could get yourself in a really bad wreck. And so what keeps happening is that mm. these Teslas keep crashing into stopped emergency vehicles, like fire, cru- fire trucks and police cars that are doing traffic stops. And um, obviously that's a serious problem. Uh, yeah. So that's what the government is looking into is, why do all these Teslas keep crashing into our fire trucks
3: no it's insane you would think you know I guess I'm trying to figure out is Tesla responsible for this because you would think regardless if you're going to kind of market that this is like an autopilot and, and as the regular person who's not a techie is going to assume oh this means self-driving you would think they would kind of think ahead about that or like emergency vehicles is that just something that they miss is it their responsibility here like is or is that what the investigation is going to kind of look at
6: that's a really good question. I think that uh, Tesla would definitely tell you that people are responsible. And I think that on some, some level they are. Like if, if you buy a Tesla, you're supposed to know how to drive it. You're supposed <laughs> to know how everything works. Right. And, and, and how to not crash it. That's what we learned in driving driver's ed back when, when we were teenagers. Um, but at the same time, you know, if Tesla is going to market something called autopilot, some people are going to assume it's a self-driving car. It's kind of in the name. So <laughs> I do think that maybe the marketing strategy, or at least the naming of that feature, uh, you know, maybe driving some people to to assume that it's a self-driving car when it actually isn't. And um, I think that, you know, if you I, when you see court cases over this, you're probably going to see all kinds of arguments over, you know, who's responsible and who isn't. When when authorities have looked into these individual crashes, they found that it's actually both. It's a problem with the car and it's a problem with the driver. And that doesn't make it any more or less safe. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, lots of blame to go around, I guess.
2: So interesting. And how will this impact other brands, other car brands?
6: So I think that it definitely... um, kind of puts pressure on car makers to be very careful about how you market your products. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of other industries have already had sort of problems like this. Like if you're a, a pharmaceutical company, for example, you have a million different restrictions over how you're, you're allowed to market your, your drug for a very good reason. And the thing about self-driving cars is that market doesn't exist yet. These things have not been invented. And so I think that a lot of what the government is gonna be looking into is are these companies over marketing themselves, trying to make their technology look more advanced than it is for the purpose of selling cars? And does that create a, a you know, a false perception in the mind of the driver about what the car can do? You
3: know, I can't help but think about and this is not even related to cars, but you know, uh, Elon Musk's new like little robot thing. If we can't get autopilot right, how do we know those robots won't kill
6: us? <laughs> a good question Um, (laughs) or fall over and you know know, fall on
2: someone even even, it'll be so heavy that like a poor little lady will be crushed
6: yeah yeah I mean I I think this really kind of goes to the heart of like innovation and how it can sort of go awry sometimes I mean obviously self-driving cars would be really life-changing in a million different ways uh, for society but That tech is not here yet. And so when you see a product like Autopilot, you just gotta remember that.
3: And are people that smart yet? Understand that it may not mean just what it's you think it means. You gotta gotta do a little bit more research to find out, right? Don't just get something because it's cool. Even though I
6: do want to test. That's right. That's right. It is cool though. It is really cool. Don't just get something because
2: Elon Musk brainwashed you. Okay. (laughs) I've been in one.
3: I've never test drove one, but I've been in one, and they are like actually really cool. So
2: I get it. I see the the lore. uh, Aaron Gregg, thank you for breaking this down for us. Uh, Aaron Gregg is a defense industry reporter at Washington Post. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, guys. Stay safe out there. Next up, some companies are announcing they're increasing health insurance premiums for unvaccinated employees. But is that fair? We get into it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you okay with your health insurance premiums going up if you're unvaccinated? Well, get ready for it because it is happening. Not only will you lose dates, but your insurance will go up. Uh, Delta Airlines starting November 1st, unvaccinated employees who have health insurance from the company will face $200 monthly surcharges. That's a huge bump. Uh, From September 12th, unvaccinated employees will have to take a COVID test every week while community case rates are high. And United Airlines and Hawaiian Airlines say they will mandate vaccines for employees, too. So uh, this is the first that I'm seeing of this, which shows uh, beyond the fact that you could possibly not be able to work, your health insurance is also going to go up.
3: So this is interesting because Forbes actually um, a couple days ago just released um, they Kaiser released a research thing mm-hmm. where they said over a hundred thousand COVID nineteen hospitalizations could have been prevented by vaccination in June and July. Well, this is like they their their report showed how this is going to impact the U.S. healthcare system, and it's not even going to impact the unvaccinated folks like you would think it was, because it's actually due to law preventing insurers from charging unvaccinated people higher premiums. The Kaiser Report said the bill will fall on everyone else as they will pay only a small share of the cost directly. So that means those refusing COVID-19 vaccines inflict a greater burden on the taxpayer and risk higher insurance premiums for businesses and workers. Now, I wonder, did this come out before the delta announcement because it does seem like if if that is kind of a new thing where they're like are they even allowed to kind of charge unvaccinated people higher premiums especially with kind of news coming out like this and then also now i'm thinking about how that could be a ripple effect on us everyday people who are vaccinated it it actually kind of sucks when you think about the the bigger picture of it all um because it, it just seems like it's just unfair
2: Yeah, because I I feel like maybe because it felt possibly temporary or people didn't see the long term impact of their decisions or their decision in their face. Right. You just see, okay, I don't you know, I just think this is fake. I think it's their way of putting, you know, a power hold on me. But I think that now that this is becoming more of a longer term situation, companies are starting to really Say to themselves, we need to figure out a long term plan here that's sustainable because we're not going to be able to support all this happening the resources aren't there. And that's the reality.
3: I mean, that's that's a real reality, but I guess when it comes to, I think this is a really smart thing for airports to be doing um, when it comes to the insurance policies of it all. But I, I really am actually really concerned about how that's going to trickle over to insurance companies figuring out, well, how do we now move that from just making sure businesses kind of do this, or what we're offering businesses, what happens to just but it's going to be workers. everyone
2: because if if in the end you're unvaccinated and something happens I don't um, want to pay a higher premium because I'm vaccinated, uh, uh, folks Yeah I, I think that it will be a ripple effect and the the issue with that is obviously it's wrong but The hope would be the realities of it would make people change. My worry is that it's going to make people think that, oh, it's just the corporate greedy folks just continuing to take over and I just want to fight against it. I'm going to be like, and then it just continues to create a lack of trust in the system. And then the cycle continues. Right. So you see how messed up this is? Like the situation we put ourselves in is so bad. Because you have one group of people trying to do the right thing and do the work with X, Y, and Z as a result. And other people who are just not and they're going to continue to not trust the system.
3: Yeah, it just seems like um, I I think when you just read numbers like 84 percent and that's how many of COVID-19 hospitalizations were preventable by vaccine. It's just it's just like at this point. I don't even know what we, how we move forward, and unless we are impacting folks' pockets, because once if you don't have any money, then how else are you supposed to live? And unfortunately, because we live in a capitalism type of world, that is really what can kind of get people together in some ways. So I guess we'll just yeah, have to see. They're
2: going to just vote for Donald Trump again. <laughs> next up, uh, the volleyball coach who was fired for being gay joins us in the next hour to share his story and what can be done so this doesn't happen again. Stick around for that and more on what's turning this hour.
1: Let's go there with Shira
2: and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, uh, this volleyball coach is going viral because he got fired for being gay. He joins us in 30 minutes to share his story. And the pop star that is finally giving credit where credit is due for her latest hit single. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced a vaccine mandate for all city employees beginning October 15th
4: city employees are absolutely going to be required um, to be vaccinated. We're working through uh, those discussions, that which have been ongoing now for a couple of weeks. It's for the safety
2: um, of all involved, particularly members of the public who are interacting with city employees on a daily basis. Now, as it relates to mandates across different cities or states, on July 15th, LA County's Public Health Department reinstated a pandemic order that everyone, regardless of vaccine status, must wear a mask in all indoor public settings. Except in a few circumstances, of course, uh, such as when a patron or worker is eating or drinking. But according to an investigation by NBC4, some restaurants and even employees or customers are remaining defiant of this. And they interviewed one person, uh, an owner from Novo Cafe, who said there is no proven data that it protects anybody. Public health doctors across the country say there are, in fact, many studies that now show masking prevents the spread of COVID-19. And Dr. Robert Kim Farley, an epidemiologist at UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health, said there is scientific data that shows masking is effective, as well as uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association this year listed 11 studies that concluded this as well. Uh, And so it will be interesting because restaurants like Novo Cafe have actually gotten tickets um, up to $90,000, I think, that they're not even paying for this. And it seems like it doesn't even matter. And they're not caring about it. And finally, former President Donald Trump is pushing a new line of T-shirts that pushes a very specific message. He is now selling everything woke turns to S-word T-shirts a few months after marketing woke shirts to black voters and speaking at a rally in Alabama where the former president uh, decried liberals and Biden's plans to rebuild the American economy and infrastructure. Trump told the, uh, the crowd that being woke is a shortcut to losing everything that we have. So there you go. Trump won't go away again, even though he did say one thing about vaccines that made sense, but it was all downhill from there. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Okay, so Olivia Rodrigo is finally giving credit after comparisons to a Paramore song that caused the internet to go crazy. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So I have a clip of this song that we're going to play because I just, it's insane. Once you hear it in the mashup of it all, it's just like, yeah, girl, what's going on here? Um, Well, she's giving credit, where credit is due, um, to Paramore's Haley Williams, and Joshua Pharaoh. Um, if you don't know then you know how much I love Haley Williams. Um, <laughs> the songwriters have apparently just learned that the uh, pop star has added their names to the songwriting credit for Rodrigo's recent, recent hit, Good For You. It was a song that debuted at number one in the U.S. in May and hovered in the top three ever since. It's not really clear whether when their names were added to the track notes. Um, however, they were not reportedly there when the song first released a few months ago. Now, what caused all of this, you may add? Well, fans observed early um, the similarities between the song and Paramore's 2007 single, Misery Business. And there was a musical mashup that went viral on social media. Mm -hmm. Here is a clip of that because I think this is what got Olivia in trouble.
6: You me on really easily. Found a new girl, and it only took a couple
1: weeks. Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world? I waited eight long months. She finally set him free. I told him I
2: couldn't lie. He was. The
3: people were like, well, wait, it's the same cadence, it's the same kind of vibe. Did Olivia rip this? And this was during the height of when people were calling her out saying like she was kind of copying other folks, uh, whether it was artistically, creatively. Um, It just wasn't a good look for her. And well, um, now that she's been added, Paramore's publisher, Warner Chapel Music, shared the news in a cheeky little Instagram update saying huge shout out to our writers Haley Williams and Joshua Farrow where Haley reshared it, saying our publisher is wildin' right now. I don't know. I think it's unfortunate that Olivia's kind of caught up in this in such early in her success, but... Girl, give credit where credit is due. I'm just saying. That's your T-Report. We got more coming up next hour. Really quickly, Mm -hmm. head over to WeirdChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets to the Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency that is returning to the park MGM. Honey, we're hooking you up with a hotel, round trip airfare, and some cash. Don't miss out on this. Head over to WeirdChannelQ.com.
2: All right, next, how gay men justify their racism on Grinder, and how can we create change. That is next.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: The racism on Grindr isn't anything new, and it's something the platform has worked to change, but it's still ever-pervasive. And one man decided to research this behavior and why gay men rationalize their sexual racism and discrimination on Grindr. Specifically, Professor Chris Connor joins us right now. Thank you for being here.
7: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: So isn't it obvious that if something is pervasive in society, it would be present in an app, too?
7: Um, yeah, so this research study is part of a broader interest that I have in understanding what the internet is doing to us as a society, and then how it's reflected within the LGBT community more broadly.
3: Yeah, okay, I'm gonna be honest with you, your audit, your (laughs) article said a lot. But as a black queer person, it didn't give any, like, actual new information for me. And it also didn't really provide any, like, what is a tangible thing of action how do we move forward out of just kind of figuring out will normal you know gay men just say oh it's a preference like how do we stop hiding behind that so I guess does your broader study like study that you're working on does it kind of navigate that a little bit more being like how do we actually move forward towards a a space where apps are I guess not racist at all (laughs) you know
7: yeah so I think um, well, one of the immediate things that I think ought to be looked at and considered is how apps, um, specifically Grindr, but also other, other apps, um, censor the words or what words are allowed to be used and, and not. Um, so, for example, uh, I found out the other day that they don't allow the word gayborhood, but they do allow people to express uh, overtly racist language in their profiles. Mm. That's something I find problematic. Yeah. Um, the other bigger problem or issue is um, we need to change the culture. So as we're building our community and getting back to normal, I think one of the big things that <clears throat> we need to address is how do we make a more inclusive environment for people? How do we bring, you know, and, and to implement anti-racist practices into our daily lives.
3: Yeah, I wonder do you think the anti-racist practices are also tied to the fetishism when it comes to POC communities specifically black?
7: Um can you can you elaborate? Yes, I'm, of course. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I, I always wonder because I think a lot of ex- my experiences on this on, on grinder oftentimes I am either getting fetishized because there's the mm-hmm. BBC angle of it all. If you know, if you know, you sure. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I think that inherently, if you are, if you then say no to that fetishism, it goes into racist mm-hmm. lingo or language. And that's kind of their, you know, their com- their way to combat it right and so i wonder do you ever see in in in, in your study are are you looking at the the lane of fetishism as a, a possibility of that also leading to that because if you're looking at things to change culturally that's one of the things to kind of elaborate on is like what fetishism can do and how it can also um add to
7: racism an in general excuse in a yeah way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i see i see i see your point. Um, and it's definitely something that like if i continue on this research trajectory um definitely i would love to address that um you should be included in your study (laughs) right no i don't want to unless unless
3: i'm getting paid
7: i mean if if you want to write me a big research grant i'll study whatever you want me to okay Uh,
2: am i getting paid (laughs) so i i guess who's to blame because i obviously society but then society creates these apps and then the apps create the environment that nurtures it and obviously you think with all the money they have in the ai all this stuff it could deal with it but it seems to still not be able to
7: uh, totally agree um uh, my brand of sociology that i'm trained in um looks at cultural phenomenon and tries to situate them within a larger historical, political context. And so it's both, right? It's how we behave within that environment, but also how the app is structured itself. And so the larger study that's currently under peer review explores that, um, explores how Grindr um, specifically orients its users towards Uh, certain behaviors, right? So, um, you know, why isn't political party affiliation a field on grinder? but your sexual position is? For example, I know that both of these things are important, but the exclusion of one of those means that you're going to emphasize something else.
2: Okay, well thank you uh, for the work you're doing And for being here and explaining all of it That was Professor Chris Connor. Uh Check out his article about this How gay men justify their racism on Grindr In theconversation.com Thanks again Next up, this gay volleyball coach Was fired for his sexual orientation What he's doing to fight back next Let's go there With Shira, Shira and Ryan Channel Q Tanga is a volleyball coach who wrote about his experience being pressured to denounce his sexuality and delete social media evidence by the high school he worked at. And if he didn't, he would lose his job, which ended up happening. Tanga joins us right now to share his story. Thanks for being here.
5: Hey, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Well, ev- your story was picked up everywhere. It was hard not to notice you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you expect this, yeah. his reaction?
5: no honestly i I wasn't wanting um, wasn't calling for the support I wasn't like expecting it at all and I wasn't really trying to prove anything with it i there were some emails that kind of initiated it you know i I haven't heard back from the school since that day um, and they had sent some emails to the volleyball community in Valor and other coaches and the parents kind of saying, giving them my own resignation letter and telling them that I walked away and I quit, which for me, it really, to be honest, it never happened. I sent them an email after that day. Um, and, you know, I said, according to our conversation, um, you, you believe that I won't be a good fit or a good candidate to be a representative at Valor and, Uh, as a coach and to be fun of the kids and I said you know I I can't denounce who I am and ultimately I told them it's it would be their decision I didn't hear back from them I was kind of hoping I would hear back the next day like maybe another quote-unquote spiritual connection as they called it but instead of directing anything to me it was more towards the valor community and to the parents just telling them that I left so after that and after seeing and hearing all the support from the parents, um, I felt like I just needed to tell people the real story about what happened. And, you know, telling my kids more so than anyone that I wasn't going to leave them and I didn't choose to leave them. Um, I told them the truth. You know, this was a decision that they made for me. Um, and I truly wasn't walking away from it. Um, they were the reason behind me posting and kind of telling my friends and and family about Valor pushing me out, as I would say, um, from the coaching position. And, again, it, like, just picked up. Everybody started speaking out uh, against it. Students were talking about their experiences, other coaches who I'm forming just, like, a great friendship with them. Um, eternal friendship, to be honest with them, because they've shared, they've experienced and shared that same experience right. um, to a lot of extent. So,
3: well, I, I think it's been crazy. I bet. I can only imagine. And honestly, I just want to thank you for coming on here to share your story and just sharing your story with the world because I'm a child of that comes from a deep religious Southern background. Mm -hmm. And so I understand this. And I know a lot of Mm -hmm. listeners who are probably hearing this are just like, well, why teach at a Christian school anyway? And especially (laughs) it seems like they actually really liked you because they asked you to be the assistant for the girls volleyball team before all of this occurred. So they were giving you more things to do. And so I guess... Let's start why, why would you even uh, Want to coach there In the first place If you know That's kind of like Intertwined with the religion
5: Yeah And for me The the question I ask For everyone who And I know that question's just going to be Circulating anyway Especially from um, Either the community LGBTQ plus Or just You know Straight people in general And my question to them Is why not You know The world has taught us That being Homosexual And being a child of God can exist. Um, and that's the kind of, that was the post that got me in trouble in the first place. Someone found a, an article or a blog post that I was highlighted in because I was talking about my journey in Christianity as a gay man and that my relationship with God has honestly, it's expanded and it's become more vulnerable. Um, it hasn't been any better till today. I mean, since, you know, since I, I came out, and since I came out about three years ago, like it—it's just prospered and it's increased and improved since then. So my my question back to everybody else is like, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, it's not me, why not? I, and you should you know, have to nobody... change yourself
3: to be experienced in in religion or spirituality, mm-hmm. right? Like that's truth the complete love. opposite of that. And so I completely agree. Yeah.
5: And you know, it—it it, what people didn't know is. Um, you know, I coach club volleyball as well and, and I coached some of the boys who go to Valor um, before I was even hired at Valor and and just the impression they left on me and the relationship I built with them and their families and parents who are were very aware that I was gay, they encouraged me to actually apply to Valor. So mm. having that support, especially from a Christian school and Christian people. I live in a part of Colorado that's very conservative and they live there as well and because I got that encouragement and love and support to apply, the parents wanted me to teach their kids year-round and not just at clubs, so they asked Beautiful. me. And I applied, I got all of their support. During my interview, you know, my sexuality wasn't even an issue, and yeah, and the pastor actually asked me, you know, the end of the interview, he was just like, you know, I'm very impressed with your spirituality. Can you please pray for my family, you know, we're going through some things. So, can we end this interview with a prayer from you? And can you continue to to ask God to bless my family? And, you know, my faith was never a question because being gay doesn't identify my faith. Being gay has nothing to do with my relationship with God, but it, it wasn't an issue until, you know, they found out. And all of a sudden my faith, didn't exist, and for, me well, being a child of God didn't exist. Here's the so. thing:
3: I just feel like they didn't deserve you anyway. And it from from to what you. I'm listening here, they, no, they didn't deserve you. And those kids, uh, unfortunately, they are harming those kids in the way that they are missing mm-hmm. out on inspiration because you are one. And so, thank you so much. Hey, I
5: appreciate for coming that. on the no, show. No, thank and sharing. you.
2: And we hope that you're getting uh, jobs right now from other people that uh, are worthy of your time. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Inoke Tonga is a volleyball coach. And where can people find you? Maybe if they want to DM you and offer you something.
5: (laughs) Um, Everywhere, to be honest. It just blew up my Instagram. um, And I apologize if they follow me and add me and I don't have time right now to respond. I eventually will. It's um, at and. Honestly, I'd love to hear from people and just hear their stories and just be inspired.
2: And we appreciate you. Uh, Now, coming up, uh, and thanks for being here again. Of course. Next up, the latest social media challenge that has folks getting injured climbing boxes. Why? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Another ridiculous social media challenge is here. It's called the milk crate challenge, where people are stacking milk crates and trying to walk on them and climb them, leading to a lot of injuries. (laughs) So to the point where I guess the hashtag has racked up like 10 million uh, views, one of them, another 82 million Baltimore's health department tweeted a reminder that if you get hurt doing this trend, there might not be a hospital bed for you, given the severity of the coronavirus pandemic. Real. That's very real. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, has social media taken this too far?
3: Um, Here's the thing. I think it is a crazy challenge, if I'm being quite honest. Um, but I think it's really interesting to see what happens um, when communities of color come up with really brilliant ideas of trying to. Um, Really entertain themselves and also when they're not given the resources whether that be to build up their communities So there could be other outlets um, they come up with like really cool versions of what that looks like for them And Mm -hmm. I think this was a moment that we saw those communities do that and yeah, they were putting themselves in so much danger Uh, but I just find that trend centers often tend to be communities of color and and when we see like now that trend being gentrified in ways it's really interesting what's being deemed as like ridiculous Um, because I guess quote unquote it is, but then it's also just, like, amazing to watch and see, like, especially when I've seen someone roll uh, a, a thing of marijuana and they actually did it safely. I've seen a, a oh. woman do it in heels and do it safely. Like, it's, it's like, actually really interesting if you want to have the conversation about, like, just innovation and what people really can do when – They have no other resources, and it seems like just fun and community, and it brings people together as we constantly see.
2: Um, I agree on that, and a a lot of these things get co-opted. That is true by everyone else, including white folks. We we know this. Uh, But in the end, just because one person is very talented at doing something like this doesn't mean everyone else should.
3: Yeah, no right? one else told them to.
2: Right, but like, but you know, it makes someone feel like, oh, it's the every person. It's not even. It's not even that. It's that we like testing the waters, and also we'll do it for views and likes.
3: Yeah, I just don't think people know how to like stay in their lane.
2: Uh, yep, totally. We are not all supposed to be on American Ninja Warrior. Let's be clear. I can barely pick myself up out of bed.
3: But it is really cool. If someone wants to do a dissertation on this, I think there's some really interesting ways of talking about innovation and how trendsetters tend to be um, the same people that we always see them to be in this in this world when it comes to popular culture.
2: I, I agree. I, I think uh, the dancing definitely, milk crate type, like just uh, standing on milk crates, I don't know how innovative that is, but it definitely is entertaining.
3: I mean, building a milk, mil, building a pyramid of milk crates and trying well, pir- to get yes, them. The, that's literally what this there is. There is
2: arts. Yes, that's right, the yeah. milk
3: crate challenge is. Building I guess I've a been seeing some of the, milk the
2: l- l- lower quality ones. <laughs>
3: oh, I mean I don't know anything about that no one's dancing on milk crates it's like the pyramid no.
2: oh yeah yeah no I meant like the the conversation around dancing and people co-opting the dances like that for me there's like innovative moves and ways to use social media but yeah I haven't seen
3: people do that too yeah. that's yeah. what TikTok is exactly just one big co-op <laughs> exactly
2: well let us know what you think are you going to be trying this out please be careful we have enough issues in this world right now uh, but if ne- you do
3: it oh my god tag me I love watching
2: the videos <laughs> (laughs) At LGT shows Where you can find us On social media Uh, But next up We're going to be talking About the complicated Relationship we all have With doing the things We love And how to get over that That's next Let's go there With Shira Shira And Ryan Channel Q Welcome back Hope you're enjoying Some great music here On Channel Q This afternoon But we've got lots Coming up Including Why Nirvana is being sued For child porn That's later in the show very interesting stuff. And 15 minutes, uh, or sorry, next up in uh, the Tea report Laverne Cox speaks up about starting a family. So stick around for that. Let's get into some what's training this hour. As more vaccine mandates are put in place, an anti-vax rally in New York City had speakers throwing down the discrimination card.
3: Just as surely, and I love a sign in here, is discrimination based on race, gender, age, Sexual orientation, religion, and ethnicity have led to misery. Policies that discriminate
2: against the unvaccinated will do the same thing. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>
3: Whatever. <laughs>
2: right now, uh, uh. Pfizer is seeking U.S. approval of a booster dose of its two-shot COVID nineteen vaccine. The drug maker announced today that it has started the approval process for uh, process for a third dose of its vaccine for Americans 16 and older. They expect to complete their application with the FDA by the end of this week. U.S. health officials announced last week plans to get COVID-19 booster shots to all Americans because of the COVID variant. And Pfizer's vaccine received full FDA approval this week. Meanwhile... Moderna announced today it has completed its submission to the FDA for full approval of its vaccine for people ages 18 and older. Uh, so it seems like all of the vaccines are trying to get approved. And Moderna could be happening very soon as well. I
3: mean, here's the thing. Yeah. Yes, the Pfizer is FDA approved, but Moderna is Dolly Parton approved. approved. So <laughs> who's really something. winning here? I'm just saying.
2: I'm as surprised as Dolly Parton can't get more people to vote. Come on, Dolly Pardoned. <laughs> Now, Serena Williams added herself to the list of big-name withdrawals from the U.S. Open today, pulling out of the year's last Grand Slam tournament because of a torn hamstring. Williams hasn't competed since injuring her right leg in the first set of her first-round match at Wimbledon in late June. And she's actually turning 40 next month and announced her decision to sit out the U.S. Open through a social media post. She joins Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in sitting out the competition. And actually, this will be the first major tournament since 1997 without any of them. And that was so much Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Okay, so Laverne Cox is opening up to fans about her decision not to have children. Hmm. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So she took to Instagram on Monday, um, and the Emmy-nominated actress made it very clear that she isn't interested in raising children because she's still working on herself. Um, She said this, quote, I see so many Brand and colleagues becoming parents. I'm happy for all of you. Um, this she's saying this in like a black and white text post on her Instagram. She says, I'm even happier for me. Ecstatic even that I am not becoming a parent ever, never ever. She declared the thought brings me so much joy. Um, she also said that she's doing the work of reparenting her inner child, which yes. she said is more than enough work. Um, she actually captioned this announcement, it's never too late to have a happy childhood, um, which is beautiful in its own right to kind of experience that and say that. And it's kind of her own, like, baby announcement.
2: Like, she's, like, birthing herself. Birthing a, a baby, Laverne <laughs> Cox. You know, I, I talk to baby Shera. Ah, uh, okay. That <laughs> tells no, me is, something that's something that's supposed to be shocking. No, reparenting yourself, it, it is, I feel like, trendy to talk about it these days, but it is kind of like a thing that people get taught in therapy uh, where to build that trust with your baby self or like if you weren't parented in that way to rebuild that bond um, and to take care of that baby version of yourself that doesn't feel seen and heard and is hurt. No. Yeah. We, can, we should have a whole conversation about that on the show.
3: All right. Just, yeah. yeah. We could do that. Bring on a
2: therapist. That's we your have team many.
3: report though. <laughs> um, uh, all your pop culture stories should right now. That's it. I have more coming up next hour. But super quick. Let's get into Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency that is returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. Guess what? Channel Q is going to send you. Just go to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM hotel, round trip airfare for two, plus guess what? You get some money, $500 in spending cash. You will not want to miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows live in Las Vegas. Tickets go on sale Saturday at 10am Pacific at Ticketmaster.com So just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. You will not want to miss it.
2: Next up, I think we've all been there. You have something you love, you make it into part of your work. Well, the complicated relationship around pursuing your hobbies as a job and monetizing what you love, we dive in next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What happens when your hobby or your personal passions become your work? Is it hard to love those things anymore? And what do you do when it starts becoming not so fun mm-hmm. <laughs> right fine line uh, i mean and this is something that a lot of people go to, uh, th- through including these days because of i think social media right we're told okay put out there what you love and then right. that becomes your brand and then that becomes what you're selling uh, and and yeah. it, there's a, a a line there's not a line between having something in your life that you just do without it becoming part of what you're trying to sell or put out there to the world. Well, I think when I found out we were doing this
3: topic, I automatically thought about um, a quote, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And that is completely false. Because if you're doing what you love and it's making you money, you're working harder than ever. You're mm-hmm. working harder to sustain that, you're working harder to innovate it, you're working harder to just keep everything afloat and the idea that that you're not like working even though you love something or even if you don't love it, you're you I, yeah, I just think it can be a very complicated thing where it can really dive in into some um, some toxicity um, especially when it surrounds like what you're doing and how you view work, right? Like for me, I think um, doing a job like this, um, I love doing this job. I think it's so. I think it's fun. I think we get to have a perspective, and and we have people who actually listen to us, which Thanks, I'm now questioning by you. The way. <laughs> um, but I I I do think. That you just because you love something doesn't mean that you won't experience burnout. Totally. Or you weren't, you know, you won't experience it in a high at a moment, in a low in a moment. And so I think um when you think about these things and when your hobby kind of becomes your 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 work, you have to figure out, well, what's pushing me to continue to do this? Do I actually genuinely love this thing? And sometimes you'll decide I don't know if I love this in the way that I thought I loved it, or maybe I don't love it in a way where I think I need to make money off of it. I just want to do it because it makes me
2: happy. Yeah. Um. And so I, I, I think it's it's a really complicated thing. It is, and this one size fits all model that we try to preach, and I blame it on you know social media and these. Uh, clickbaity titles, right? To, and the quotes that you just brought up, because it makes it seem like, oh, it's simple. And if it starts getting complicated, one, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So one, anything worth doing takes work.
3: I don't. Right? I also don't think if it gets complicated that you shouldn't be doing. But this. that's the thing. Well, that's yeah, a part of
2: it. Everything that is worth doing takes work, including relationships, right? Yeah. And like, and our relationship with our work and what we do is a relationship. I think
3: about even last year and the pandemic when everyone was like, well, you got to come out this thing better than ever, better than you did entering it. And I think if we continue to put these pressures on ourselves in ways that don't benefit us, just only harm us, it's when we really won't find any sort of happiness. There's no happiness attached to anything at that point because the only thing attached to it is the pressure of trying to uh, compare yourself or reach a level that, isn't realistic in that time frame you know and I think um I you know as artists and creatives we always hate the business stuff
2: that's the thing and that's (laughs) real and sometimes you you, you gotta know your strengths and your weaknesses and things I'm like definitely there's something about challenging yourself and stretching quote-unquote yourself but it's also good to have the awareness of just like what you know you know how to do, and when to get support. Exactly. And I think it's okay to leave certain things as leisure or to approach certain things as your life without a goal. Like That is also okay. And it's okay if, by the way, that changes. Sometimes that thing might become something for work, and then it's okay to put it back into that category that is more out of love. And that doesn't mean you fail. I have a prime
3: example of this, of something. Last year specifically, I got... Addicted to the Bon Appetit YouTube page where (laughs) I was watching these chefs cook everything. Mm -hmm. I loved watching them in their test kitchen. It was just, I even thought, oh my God, I think I want to go to culinary school. I remember this what in the hell was I thinking? Like, you know, and even if I wanted to do that, why do I need to go to culinary school? Why I can't just find some recipes and try one out a week instead of like making this intense goal attached to it? I think yeah. that is where where you start to kind of feel like, well, maybe I should start looking into internally of being like, why do I look at everything from this perspective of I have to set
2: goals attached
3: to everything? Why
2: can't I just have fun looking at it? Why can't you just do it to do it?
3: Yeah, right. You know?
2: Yeah, and there's all of us have those things. It's
3: perfectionism.
2: It is. It's, per, it's definitely part of, if you're a perfectionist, that is you. And I agree. There's a lot of things in my life that I love doing, and then I do wonder, hey, should I bring this more into my work? And I, I think that it's okay, you know, to reframe your relationship with the things you love, but also know when you deserve a break, right? And Very sometimes much. we don't even need to be doing anything.
3: <laughs> How about that? Can we monetize taking an, uh, a nap? Is Actually, that, is that, you is probably that could take yourself can,
2: na- napping and put that on TikTok. And then even napping becomes boring.
3: That sounds like an OnlyFans account. <laughs> just watch me nap. What in the big brother is that? I didn't say
2: you were going to be naked or anything. No, I, why, that's a fetish.
3: <laughs> you know, that has to be a fetish. Like just watching people sleep. I'm
2: just, I'm just saying, people these days will want to productize it. anything. So do you, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And just stop stressing out. I'm reminding myself of that, too, as I say it, by the way. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know Nirvana's album cover for Nevermind? It's pretty world famous. It features a little baby naked, swimming, trying to catch a... a bill, right? Um, to be honest,
3: I've never heard this album. This you, is the first time I've seen it. Have this. you
2: seen this album before? No. Why would, I, yeah, you're, you're why would I ever
3: listen to Nirvana? No,
2: but even if... like I didn't listen to Nirvana this, that much, but this album cover is pretty iconic.
3: That's not what they were playing where I was <laughs> growing up.
2: Uh, well, I, I still think I, I you'll have something to say about this. Oh,
3: always. I have something to say yes. about everything.
2: So the little baby, who was just four months old when this was shot, Spencer Eldon... Uh, his parents got the time two hundred dollars for the shoot, and he, by the way, has recreated the album cover several times. He probably has gotten a lot of attention and popularity because of it. He's actually now suing the band. He says he wants one hundred fifty thousand dollars from the surviving members of Nirvana.
3: So, I mean, why um, did? They, what was the creative choice of putting a naked baby on their album? It does feel a little weird.
2: I don't. I, I feel like people probably have written like uh, dissertations on this, right? Like a, like the significance of this that album cover. Weird.
3: I mean, he was only four months, and I'm just like, why is this Why? What? What was that naked baby in maybe, a swimming pool? Maybe like, connected. It was to a the statement
2: album. around capitalism. That even as a child, you're running after money and swimming towards money. Maybe they were on drugs when they did. I don't know, when was not album? Co- when did this album come out? Thirty years ago. So technology, Photoshop,
3: album. all these things. I was like, yeah, that's they're going to put yeah. it in there. They, yeah,
2: I'm no. like, so so this is the thing. But he he's suing them because, and this is the specific argument that the photograph makes Eldon look like a sex worker. What? They're su- Yeah, they're saying it was child porn. So this is where, like, there's a difference between saying. How does I don't understand so, that? There's so many layers to this. One, I don't know if they had like an agreement at the time they did get paid for the shoot and it's kind of like you got paid it sucks that your parents made you do I would if anything get get mad at your parents for making you do this child labor and you know and getting money for kind of sell- selling you out I feel like at this point and including since he's celebrated it so much like he literally every year of the anniversary he has done a picture of himself He's talked about how much he's, like, into this. And now, of course, he probably found a lawyer who was like, here, this is a good way to argue this. Well, my thing is, since
3: he's recreated, I'm pretty sure. I just don't think a a lawyer would get involved with this if, especially since he's recreated the album cover, and now he's trying to sue if they didn't have a... a, Oh, yeah. They'll
2: probably probably just get $150,000 to be quiet. Right? They're like, just give him the money. Like, yeah, we made a lot of money off this album. Oh, in his recreations, he's clothed. Yeah, he's clothed. He gets to choose. He's not a baby. But once again, I always wonder this. Like when you're a child star, like a baby star, like your parents are putting you in things. Like you don't have, you don't know what's going on.
3: I do think it's weird, though.
2: Why didn't I just want to know why they chose that? Like I feel a, like a it's somewhere. Baby, it's it's somewhere. Uh, we could Google it. Like why Nirvana chose that specifically, or maybe we'll never know. Because Kurt Cobain I mean, if this anymore. goes to trial, then maybe we will know sooner than later. I mean, but do you think this is ridic- ridiculous? Let us know at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. This one goes to someone who is trying to prove a point to anti maskers. James Ackers, a parent in Dripping Springs, Texas, stripped down to his underwear as he argued against the mask opposition during a school
7: board meeting. They make me wear this jacket. I hate it. They make me wear this shirt and tie. I hate it. On the way over here, I ran three stop signs and four red lights. I almost killed somebody out there. But by God, it's my roads too. So I have every right to drive as fast as I want to, make the turns that I want to. I got over here to the school today and the parking lot's full and I decided I was gonna park wherever the hell I want to. Which in this case happened to be a uh, handicap. But
6: I really hate my clothes. So, it's simple protocol people.
7: We follow certain rules. We, we follow certain rules for a very good reason.
2: M- Mr. Akers, I-, I
3: understand. I believe you're a swimmer, but if you would mind putting your pants back on for a comment,
7: that would be appreciated.
2: Well, that's definitely one way to put it. I mean, I feel like people have been using this argument, but he actually did the work in proving it physically i've actually moment.
3: never heard this argument so shout out to him for bringing this to my attention but i i think it's a great argument and i mean it's a little intense uh stripping down but takes a lot of guts to do that to prove your point point. and i think the more folks are uncomfortable then the more folks will understand that this is not a game like we are not living in a game and he's willing to do that to get everyone to understand so shout out to him
2: yep he gets our Yaz Queen of the Day thank you for the inspiration today James and that does it for our show today but we are back tomorrow live here on channel Q 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on tomorrow's show it is Women's Equality Day and we've got author and historian and social media star Blair Amani joining us that and so much more and if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast just go to the Odyssey App or where podcasts are available, and search Let's Go There. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about signs that your partner is wanting a divorce, a separation, a break. You know what I mean. That's next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.